This series gives you a direct line to the pinnacle traders. We're covering everything from when the odds are initially posted to looking at how the market might react. This is the opening line. Hello and welcome to the opening line. We're getting ready for week two, so it's time to take a look at what the pinnacle traders have posted and where the odds might move later in the week. Joining me again is Adam Chernoff. How's it going, Adam? Doing well. Ready to talk some week two opening numbers. Week one, how was that? Uh, it was great to have football back and on the TV and get into the swing of things. Results-wise, not as promising as I hoped. Um, looked really good to start with the prices I was able to grab, but the results just did not come around for me whatsoever uh, to open up the season, but plenty of time to go. So just for our listeners' awareness again, what we're going to be doing today is a very kind of it's a short-form episode. We're just going to run through the opening numbers and kind of see where early action is, where the market may move, and then we're going to follow that up later in the week with a nice deep dive into the preview stuff. So are you ready to go? I'm ready. So the first game we've got is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Carolina Panthers, and the Panthers opened up at minus 6.5, and, a half and the, early, the over-under was 50.5, and a half and... The early indication on this one is that the under might actually drop slightly. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it certainly makes sense after seeing Tampa Bay struggle to move the football against a very weak 49ers defense. Uh, they had four drives inside the 25-yard line in that game, and they weren't able to convert on any for more than six points total on those four drives combined. So it was a certainly a very disappointing effort i think from a lot of people who were very high on tampa bay i know there's a lot of money entering the market on tampa bay from the win total perspective and everyone was very bullish on the new coaching staff and they certainly disappointed in their home openers so to go on a short week with limited prep time inside the division to carolina who offensively as well um in their game on sunday lacked a little bit of continuity from drive to drive um when they were moving the football it was very fluid um cam newton was completing a lot of short passes but um i could definitely see how uh, especially on the short week with the short prep time that betters are already favoring the under and it sounds like the the traders are as well so then we'll move on to the indianapolis colts at the tennessee titans and obviously the titans had a a big win at the weekend, but the traders actually think this could be fairly close. The Titans are listed as a, a three-point favourite at the moment. Now, the thinking is that people might actually buy into that hype from their win over the Browns, and that could push them out further on the handicap. And the the 44-point over-under also has the potential to move, apparently. So again, thoughts on this? Yeah, I can certainly see that being the case. Everyone was so high on the Cleveland Browns, and to see Tennessee steamroll them like that, there were a lot of eyes and attention on that game. So anytime you get a case like that where uh, things are so one-sided and there's so much interest within the team, if you get a pretty drastic result like we saw, then that'll tend to move it. But in terms of the sort of overreaction, initially just looking back at the box score, um, the Browns only gained 39 of their yards uh, when trailing by more than a touchdown. So when we talk about sort of removing the noise from the box score, um, the Browns really kept things pretty even for the majority of the game until things really went south into the fourth quarter. I thought Baker Mayfield actually looked quite well up to that point. So uh, I think there was certainly, as was the case with Tennessee a year ago, a little bit of inflation on this defense for how well they performed because that score got out of hand in a hurry. So 
Um, certainly agree that people may be overreacting to the Titans just a touch, seeing this one at three. Uh, with the total at 44, I'm sort of expecting this one to move up just a little bit as we get into the later stages of the week. So straight on to the LA Chargers at the Detroit Lions, and we've got another three-point favourite here, but this time it's the road team, and the the opening over-under is at 47, um, with the early action actually suggesting this one looks quite evenly balanced. So do you think the market could move this, or are you liking those numbers as they are? Uh, I think it's pretty fair, actually. I don't know if Detroit's going to get nearly enough respect for what they did at Arizona. They finished in such a terrible fashion. And that's coming from someone who had a Detroit minus two and a half ticket in their pocket. Um, there's going to be a lot of attention on how they finish that game. They were up 24 to six, and then they went into a prevent defense. But again, something you're kind of looking for when you dive into the box score prior to sort of switching their defense into that prevent prevent style, they held Arizona to drive distances of five, four, nine, two, 11, six, five, minus three, and three yards. So defensively, they performed very well against this Arizona Cardinals team. And to see this one adjusted from initial look-ahead lines in Las Vegas that were around Chargers minus two to go up a point, uh, I don't think Detroit's nearly getting the respect they deserve for what they put forward in the first little bit of that game. So uh, at three, it's probably pretty fair with that number. Um, wouldn't really expect it to move too much. If anything, you might see maybe a little bit of buyback at that price point. And then we've got the Buffalo Bills at the New York Giants, and the Bills had they had a nice comeback win at the weekend. Uh, their favourites for this one at minus two and a half on the handicap, and the over/under has opened on a, a relatively low side at forty-two and a half. But this one actually looks like the under could go even lower. So, do you think that's what could happen? Uh, I certainly think that the Buffalo defense uh, showed what it can be against the New York Jets. Interesting to see when you're looking at that game that they played against New York, probably not going to draw a lot of attention. As we talked about in the preview pod last Wednesday, it was one of the, the lower bet games of the week in terms of volume and, and betting handle. Uh, but when you turn the ball over four times and you only take one takeaway as the Buffalo Bills did, very difficult to win games and if you dive into those numbers for that game against the Jets they actually dominated it uh, for the for sure for the second half you can even point the cases where they were dominating within the second quarter as well uh, New York Giants uh, certainly got uh, exposed for what they are I think defensively this is one of the, the poor teams or the weaker teams in the NFL uh, the Dallas Cowboys really moved the football doing whatever they wanted to do them a lot of the yards that they accumulated late in the game as well, sort of padded those stats up a little bit. So uh, I certainly understand. We were looking at look-ahead prices uh, anywhere between the Giants, the one- to two-point favorite in Las Vegas. So now seeing Buffalo two-and-a-half open at Pinnacle, I think that's telling the market and everyone listening everything they need to know about these two teams matching up against each other. So now we've got the Arizona Cardinals at the Baltimore Ravens. And this one, I mean, it's, it's quite intriguing from a a betting numbers perspective and also a matchup perspective. And we, we won't go into the details on the latter and we can save that for the, the preview stuff later in the week. But I mean, it's no surprise to see the Ravens up as a 14 point favorite. Um, that could be on the generous side by the looks of it. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that one drop slightly. Um, and then we've also seen people keen on the over under um, 42 and a half at the moment and potentially it could go up. So what do you think on this? 
Yeah, I mean, there's no question about it. The Baltimore Ravens are a very good football team, but now we're looking at the extent of this movement. Um, on the Wednesday preview pod, we talked about how the relationship between team totals, uh, the preseason win totals, are, are a very good indicator of how teams relate to each other in terms of point spread value. While those markets aren't necessarily predictive uh, or very efficient in, in anticipating the over and the under wins market, they are very good at illustrating the relationship between the two teams. Uh, just two weeks ago, if we were just to go off of those numbers, you'd be looking at a point spread in this game around Baltimore minus eight and a half. That was sort of the look ahead line. That was adjusted up a little bit a week ago before any games were played to nine and a half. Now we're seeing this balloon all the way out to 13, which all of a sudden prices Baltimore about as a 10 and a half win team in terms of the season, which bumps them up two wins just because they beat the Miami Dolphins. And then Arizona, we just talked about them a couple minutes ago, uh, how one sided that game against Detroit was. So um, one of the articles I wrote about was these push pull situations. And we're seeing a spot where all the perceptions pushing Baltimore up, and then we're getting a lot of pullback on Arizona going the other way. So this price certainly balloons when you say it's going to potentially come back i would have to agree with that but i think that just given how uh, much of a mismatch this is we saw how many points baltimore scored quickly against that miami defense very similar situation in terms of matchup against arizona but i think this one's going to be a lot more uh, evenly matched than that miami point miami game was but i uh, certainly think that this total is going to go up as well and now we've got the Dallas Cowboys at the Washington Redskins and the, the Cowboys had a good win over the weekend and they travelled to Washington as a six and a half point favourite and the the over-under is currently at 44 um, but the market's attention is definitely on the handicap at the moment. Is that is that where you think the value is so far? Yeah, some interesting sort of back and forth. Uh, this one open, looking at my screen right now, about as high as six and a half at Pinnacle down to four and a half at the moment. Some interest for Washington. I think the Dallas win was a little bit inflated against the New York Giants, who are a much worse football team than I think a lot of the market anticipated. Uh, they moved the ball extremely easily. We saw Philadelphia struggle to move the ball in the first half against the Washington Redskins. wasn't until Deshaun Jackson really opened things up to that they found success against this Washington defense, which I think the market's uh, disrespecting a little bit. I don't really anticipate Washington to maintain that offensive performance under Case Keenum that they were able to find. They went a couple of receivers deep, but um, I certainly understand the buyback on this price point when it was up at six and a half. That's an awfully big number for Dallas to be laying on the road within the division. And now we've got the San Francisco 49ers at the, the Cincinnati Bengals. Now San, Franci San Francisco on the road, but have been made a one and a half point favorite by the pinnacle traders. And that, that apparently is a number that could potentially get bigger uh, we're currently sat on an over-under at 45, but again, the market's attention seems to be on the handicap for this one. To me, that's quite interesting given how the two games played out. Um, Cincinnati performed, I think, better than anyone anticipated against a very good Seattle team inside of their uh, one of the most difficult stadiums to play, and this was the first game for all three of those coaches. So uh, I thought that they would be getting a little bit more respect than that. The numbers holding pretty steady at one and a half, but um, San Francisco as well, their defense really stepped up. And I think the secondary specifically surprised me, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where uh, really the anticipation was for the Buccaneers to be throwing deep downfield. San Francisco did a good job containing that. Two defensive touchdowns to aid them along their way. Um, so it's interesting to see, but a bit of a tricky spot for them to go 
into Cincinnati. Big kicker here will be the, the health of Joe Mixon, key running back for the Cincinnati Bengals, left last game injury. We'll have to see his status later in the week if he'll play, but he's he's worth about a point to a point and a half on this number, just given his importance within the Bengals system in the absence of A.J. Green. So now we've got the Minnesota Vikings at the Green Bay Packers, and this one is apparently one that could, could cause the traders all sorts of problems. They've They've gone with the Packers minus two and a half, and set the over-under at 46. Now, as I said, they're, they're kind of a bit wary of this one, and can you see why? I, I think they're actually maybe a little bit generous in favor of Minnesota. I, I think the three-day delay from Thursday to Sunday uh, is not... It, it sort of lets the, the Thursday night games slide under the radar a little bit, and that was a very good performance by the Green Bay Packers, specifically their defense, which I'm extremely high on for the course of the season. Packers, my favorite to make it to the Super Bowl from the NFC. So obviously a huge divisional game here. It's not too uncommon to see a point spread this low within this matchup. But uh, Minnesota was able to take advantage of an Atlanta offensive line, which was extremely porous. Won't necessarily be the case against Green Bay. And then their outside zone running system. Um, Green Bay can get a lot of pressure inside the backfield and through the line of scrimmage to blow up those plays. So it's going to be a matter of how how much they're willing to let Kirk Cousins throw the ball. They only had him throw the ball 10 times against the Atlanta Falcons, which is pretty incredible to think about this day of age of the NFL. So he's going to have to do a lot more with his arm against the Green Bay Packers. But initially, to me, this number feels a touch low. Uh, probably would have expected to see it around three, three and a half um, with, with some juice pointing towards the Minnesota price at that number. Onto the Philadelphia Eagles at the Atlanta Falcons, and again another one that apparently is difficult to manage. Philadelphia is currently a one-point favourite with the over/under set at 51. Now the early signs show there's appetite from the market, but the betters are actually quite evenly split. And again, can you see why? Yeah, I think that Philadelphia laying a point on the road at Atlanta, people are really going to buy into the Falcons at home. Matt Ryan significantly better when he's playing inside the dome, specifically at home. Uh, I think people were a little bit disappointed by how Philadelphia fell behind early in that game against Washington. So what I probably would have anticipated being a decent liability starting to build on the Philadelphia Eagles is tapered just a little bit. Um, There's also the big narrative of the boat going 0-2 within the NFL and how that affects playoff chances. So from a situational perspective, getting Atlanta at home in a primetime game on that fast surface um, getting Philadelphia traveling off of a tough divisional game in their own right uh, probably it pushes people towards Atlanta a little bit more than they would had this been a standalone game later in the year. So I uh, can certainly understand this number hanging right around one and uh, sort of bouncing around between one and pick. And, and I understand the total being as high as it is as well, given how quickly both of these offenses can score. So that's our that's our full games where we've got the the full market offering available. Now we've got a couple here that the handicap's been posted without a total, and then there's a couple of other games where the traders have have taken them off the board for the time being. So if we just go to the ones where we've got a handicap at the moment, and we can get some comments from you, if that's all right. Absolutely. Cool. So we've got the the Saints at the Rams, um, and the Rams are minus three, and then you've also got the Bears and the Broncos, which is currently a pick'em. So, is there anything to kind of take out of that? Do you think? I think there's probably going to be interest either from professionals or just as a as a volume as a whole coming in on the LA Rams, betting that number up from three. Uh, we haven't seen the Saints play. They played later tonight on Monday Night Football. There's a lot of interest 
uh, from pretty influential betters on the Houston Texans. We've seen that number come off of the seven, a uh, move down towards six in favor of the Houston Texans. So a reasonably sized move there, um, given the situation of that game on Monday night. So if that move tends to hold true, uh, then we're probably going to see a little bit of reaction against New Orleans, sort of disappointing uh, with a lot of the sort of recreational money coming in on the Saints for that Monday night game. So that'll probably push this price up just a little bit more. The Rams, although Goff struggled with some pressure, we know that that's his biggest issue. Uh, Average less than five yards per pass as well against the Carolina Panthers. The Rams went into Carolina, got away with a very difficult win. Now they head home. Uh, Significant splits in their favor last year uh, resulted in significantly better home play. New Orleans going to have that short week, short preparation, having to travel across the country uh, to play in a very difficult spot against the L.A. Rams in, in a matchup that doesn't benefit them nearly as well this year as it did a year ago. So probably I would expect that number to tick up depending on what happens tonight in Monday Night Football. As far as the Bears on the road at the Broncos, uh, it's going to be the big altitude narrative, right? When you go to any team traveling to Denver early in the year, especially if it's an out-of-conference game like this one is, uh, there's always that altitude narrative because the players are on limited practices compared to five, six years ago before the bargaining agreement switched in the league. You also get Vic Fangio, new head coach of the Denver Broncos, uh, leader of that defense as well, calling the plays, who was with Chicago as the defensive coordinator a year ago. Mitchell Trubisky struggled mightily in that game against the Green Bay Packers, but he struggled against uh, throwing the deep ball against coverage. Packers played very tight man-on-man coverage. We're out with, with five defensive backs on a number of snaps. Uh, also struggled with some pressure in his face. And those are two things that the Broncos can do very well. And it's very similar coverage as to what the Packers offered. So from just a situational perspective, there's probably going to be some interest on the Denver Broncos. But again, it's sort of that case where the game was played on Thursday and we're sort of over all the media trashing Mitchell Trubisky and, and being down on the Chicago Bears. So that's probably going to taper out a little bit. Um, probably going to see this where, where we sort of see more professional, influential bettors on the side of the Denver Broncos and then sort of just the, the general recreational players sort of side with the Chicago Bears, just seeing the number be so short and not having Denver nearly uh, as high of a respected team coming off a short week on Monday night. And then in addition to those games, we've got a couple, as we said, that are, they're off the board completely for, for different kinds of reasons. But again, if you could just maybe run us through and potentially reflect on the look-ahead prices and maybe where you think the lines might might add up add up for the games that we don't have at the moment. Sure. So Jacksonville-Houston, awfully interesting because of the injury to Nick Foles, quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That makes way his shoulder injury is probably going to keep him out for the entire season, if not till very late in the year. Uh, so that's an enormous blow to the organization. It brings in Gardner Minshew. I have this about a five and a half point drop. And of course, all points aren't created equal. But if we're talking about a neutral field situation against an average team, the difference between Foles and Minshew about five and a half points. So the look ahead numbers on this one, it hasn't really hit the board anywhere yet throughout the industry. Uh, It was about three and a half on the look ahead. So I would probably expect the traders of Pinnacle to open up anywhere eight and a half, nine points in favor of Houston. Of course, the Texans play tonight, so that number could be influenced a little bit by performance or any injuries that come from there. Seattle and Pittsburgh, another game that's still off of the board as well. Pittsburgh played late on Sunday, lost by 
is 30 points to the New England Patriots. So a pretty embarrassing effort for them to kick off the season. Have some injury concerns there as well. Smith-Schuster, key receiver, left with a toe injury. Uh, and then they also have uh, J.J. Watt and Joe Hayden, two defensive players that are very important to the system, and Marquise Pouncey on the offensive side. Um, all status is unknown at the moment. Nothing super serious for any of them, so they very well may be able to play. But getting Seattle coming across the country uh, off that game where I, I like we sort of talked about Cincinnati very well overperformed uh, and made Seattle look a lot worse than they should be. So it'll be interesting how the market performs here. But probably out for the Pittsburgh performance, should expect to see this one open. Pittsburgh three and a half to four would be my guess. And then the other big game that we should probably mention is the New England Patriots uh, on the road in Miami, in the heat in South Florida. Uh, I say big game we should mention because this is potential to be the biggest point spread of all time, or at least in my lifetime. Uh, I would have to go back to the Denver Broncos hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars a number of years ago where they were about a 25-point home favorite. I think that this one with the rumor of the Miami players uh, calling their agents after the game requesting to be traded and off of the team, I think that's going to certainly sort of spark this number, as will the 30-point win for New England against a very good Pittsburgh team, as will the addition of Antonio Brown. The Dolphins lost by 40 points against the Ravens. Everything's sort of coming together for this to be an enormous spread. We'll probably see it hit the board at Pinnacle. My guess is the guys, they've got a very tough job to do with this one because we're sort of getting into unprecedented territory. But I'm thinking 16 and a half. Uh, maybe even we'll see this one get to 17. Uh, and then if you're looking at sort of a neutral field and then translating that into what this would be in New England, that puts the point spread right around Patriots minus 24 and a half if this game was played in Foxborough, which we'll see very late in the year probably won't mean as much but we're looking at one of the biggest point spreads of all time and quite frankly I think it's a deserving number just given the gap between the Patriots who are now looking at being priced in the 12 to 13 win category and the Dolphins that are looking to be priced in the the one to two win category so this is a huge discrepancy in talent and I think it's going to show in the handicap. Thanks for that, Adam. Some some great takeaways on on all the matches there, and and diving into kind of the the intricacies of those ones that are are off the board. I know you've had a long day, so I suggest you can you can rest up and get ready for our preview pod later in the week. Plenty of sleepless nights during football, but they're always welcome during the NFL season. This is fun to talk about, and glad to join you for for podcast number two. We're moving on. Thanks everyone for listening, and as I said, we'll be back later in the week where me and Adam will be diving into the tactical matchups for every game of the NFL Week 2. Thanks for listening, and bye for now.